welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 6, New International Version Hello, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. Thank you for joining us here today on Anchored by Truth. For several episodes, we have been working on a series we call Eternal Information. We've covered a lot of ground so far in the series. For those listening today who may have missed one of the earlier episodes, we encourage you to go to our website, crystalseabooks.com, where you can hear them. And of course, anyone who just wants to review an episode, even if they heard it before, can always go to crystalseabooks.com for a review. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. This particular series has been one of those series where each episode builds on the material from previous episodes. In the studio, we have R.D. Fierro. R.D. is an author and the founder of Crystal Sea Books. R.D., thus far in this series, we have covered definitions for the term information, the attributes of information, and the laws that govern information. And in our last couple of episodes, we saw that information is present in all the biological structures on Earth. But what is the big point that we are making by such a thorough treatment of information? Well, before we get into that, I'd also like to say hello to everyone who's joining us here today. We're always grateful that you'll take some time out of your very busy days, whether joining us on the broadcast or the podcast, We think that these Anchored by Truth episodes really are important to help people get a better understanding on why they can be absolutely confident that God does exist and that the Bible is the Word of God. And that's an appreciation that is starting to become increasingly scarce in our world today. But it's oh so important because all of the decisions that we make in this life today are literally going to have an eternal impact. Well, we are doing this series on information for the same reason that we do everything on Anchored by Truth, to help our listeners increase their confidence that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. But of course, we can't be sure that the Bible is the Word of God if we aren't sure that God exists in the first place. So one of the things that we like to do on Anchored by Truth is ensure that our listeners have an abundance of, well, information so they can reassure themselves that the faith that they place in God is more than just a leap into some kind of a dark abyss. Too often in our contemporary culture, we are told that we must choose between logic, reason, and faith. But nothing could be further from the truth. That's a false dichotomy to say we have to choose between logic and faith, or reason and faith, or science and faith. That's a false dichotomy. We don't set logic and reason aside to place our faith in the truth. 
To the contrary, we use logic, reason, and evidence to determine that the most sensible and practical thing we can possibly do is to place our trust in the God of the Bible and in the revelation that He has made. And as we've been discussing in this series, the presence of information always points us to the presence of intelligence. You cannot have meaningful information without information arising from an intelligent point of origin. The cat walking across the keyboard may produce letters on a computer screen, but the cat isn't going to produce an email telling people where to meet us for dinner. But even a young child can do an email. The transmission, reception, and use of information requires intelligence. So, if we see information present in biological structures, which we do, we can be absolutely sure that those biological structures had an intelligent point of origin. Yes, our universe would not appear as it does without information, and therefore intelligence being present in the universe. You can't have information without the presence of intelligence, and our universe displays information in literally every nook and corner that there is. And that's one of the basic concepts that we've been working our way through during the first several episodes of this series on information. But today, I want to introduce sort of a new thought into our discussion. Which is? Well, if the presence of information requires the presence of intelligence, which, as you said, it does, then we also can say this. The presence of natural information demonstrates the presence of natural intelligence. So by simple extension of that thought, the presence of supernatural information would, of necessity, indicate the presence of supernatural intelligence. Oh my goodness, I see where you're going. As human beings, we can see that information surrounds us in the natural order, in the created order that we can perceive with our five senses. But you are now going to take us into an entirely different realm, the realm of the supernatural. So I imagine that today you want to begin a discussion of the information that is contained in the Bible, right? Exactly right. In our last couple of episodes on Anchored by Truth, we've talked about the fact that all living cells on the planet contain information. And even sources like the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary acknowledge that fact. The nucleotide sequence of DNA clearly provides instructions and directions to the protein machinery of the cell, and the performance of the DNA is not tied to its chemistry any more than the chemistry of ink and paper determine the contents of printed pages. So even if we were just to restrict our awareness of the information present in nature to what we can see in living cells, it is unavoidable to recognize that intelligence was necessary to create those cells. Which, of course, is a direct refutation of the foundational premise of the general theory of evolution. The general theory of evolution says that all life arose through the random and undirected interaction of inanimate particles. But the specified complexity of even the simplest one-celled creature is a huge challenge to that idea. We've covered some of the problems with the idea that life could have arisen spontaneously from non-living elements in Episode 5 of this series. Yes, we can perceive quite readily that chemistry plus physics will not produce biology. 
nor does the addition of time to that formula, even unlimited quantities of time, solve the problem. Life requires that certain select elements be organized in very specific sequences and patterns and then be supported by very particular energy sources. So said simply, life requires information. Chemistry plus physics doesn't equal biology. Chemistry plus physics plus information equals biology. So let's just label the information component of that equation natural information, because we can see its operation and effects within the natural order. But when we turn to the Bible, we start to perceive that the information component in the Bible goes well beyond anything that we can discover within the natural realm. Can you give us an example of what you're thinking about? Sure. The Bible is, of course, a book, and all books are information sources. But the Bible contains information that transcends the kind of information that is available from natural sources. For instance, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1, the prophet Isaiah names a conqueror who won't arrive on the world scene for more than 150 years. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 and 2 say, quote, The Lord said to Cyrus, his chosen one, I have taken hold of your right hand to help you capture nations and remove kings from power. City gates will open for you. Not one will stay closed. As I lead you, I will level mountains and break the iron bars on bronze gates of cities, unquote. Biblical scholars date Isaiah's ministry to a roughly 40-year period that lasted from 740 B.C. until approximately 701 B.C. Isaiah's prophetic ministry can be dated accurately because Isaiah told us the Judean kings who ruled while he was conducting his ministry. Yes. So Isaiah was prophesying in the latter half of the 8th century B.C. Now, a little over a hundred years after that, the nation of Judah was conquered by the Babylonians and the Jews went into a 70-year period of exile. And that 70-year period of captivity had been foretold by a different prophet, Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 10 and 11, Jeremiah reported that the Lord said, quote, I will put an end to your parties and wedding celebrations. No one will grind grain or be there to light the lamps at night. This country will be as empty as a desert because I will make all of you the slaves of the king of Babylonia for 70 years. Right. And just as Jeremiah prophesied, around the year 605 B.C., the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem. He conquered it, and he deported a large number of the Jewish elite and nobles. Most Bible scholars believe that the prophet Daniel was part of this first group of deportees. Nebuchadnezzar made Judah essentially a vassal state of the empire of Babylon. He appointed his own governor, and then Nebuchadnezzar went back to Babylon. But it was not long before the Jews, who remained in Judah and in Jerusalem, started fomenting rebellion. So, about 14 years later, the Babylonians returned, and they completed the destruction of Jerusalem, and they sent all but the poorest of the Hebrew people into exile. Well, that period of exile ended shortly after 539 B.C. when a Medo-Persian emperor named Cyrus conquered Babylon, and shortly after that, Cyrus permitted the Jews to return to their homeland. 
So here we have two very specific examples of prophecies that were made decades before they were fulfilled. Isaiah gave us the name of the pagan king who would conquer a city that did indeed have gates of bronze because Babylon had gates of bronze. And Jeremiah had told the Jews ahead of time how long their period of exile and captivity would last. The point is that there is no way, humanly speaking, that Isaiah prophesying in the latter half of the 8th century B.C. could have known the name of a single person who would be the person that would be a conqueror who would appropriately be called God's chosen one. And there was no way, humanly speaking, Jeremiah could have known how long the Babylonians would keep the Jews in captivity before the period of exile even began. So, both of these are examples of information that the Bible contains, but where the source of the information could not have come from the natural realm, the realm that we can perceive with our five senses. Exactly. Well, that's just a quick example of the subject that I want to cover in today's episode of Anchored by Truth and probably in another episode or two after that. The Bible gives us very clear evidence that it doesn't contain information in just a single dimension, if you will, or on a single level. The Bible is actually a multi-level source of information, and that multi-level nature of the information the Bible contains points strongly towards a source for that information that is beyond the natural realm. As in the two examples of fulfilled prophecy that we've just been discussing, In those cases, there's no way the human authors who recorded the prophecies could have possessed the information. For them to have the information, it had to have been revealed to them by a supernatural source. Right. And those are just some very easy-to-understand examples of the Bible's multi-layered informational attribute. So what I want to start doing is pointing out some of these various levels of information that illustrate the remarkable character of the Bible. Where do we start? Well, let's start with the fact that the Bible, like all books, possesses and provides information in what we might call a linear fashion. In other words, we can, and we should, read the Bible like any other book. The Bible contains valuable information about human and natural history. The Bible contains practical advice and guidance for how to manage money, build successful businesses, improve interpersonal relations, and create better families, and raise happier children. The Bible contains instructions for how to avoid conflicts, build prosperous communities and nations, and live fulfilled and meaningful lives. I mean, all that information is available just by reading the Bible the way you would read any other book. Left to right, start on page one, and then read the Bible straight through the end. All the information that I've just described, that's available from reading the Bible, just like any other book. But even in that sense, the Bible does display a marked difference from other books, doesn't it? In particular, it is different from other books that claim to be the Word of God. That's true. One of the amazing things about the Bible is that as it is conveying the information that crosses literally centuries, that as it's doing so, the Bible still displays a remarkable unity. It contains many different kinds of literature, yet all the parts of the Bible serve a single purpose. The Bible tells a single story about a single plan that revolves around a single people and a single person. But as the Bible tells that story, 
It always displays a recognition, a cognizance of the needs of the people who will be reading the story. So when the Bible tells us about creation and the subsequent fall of Adam and Eve, our first parents, while the Bible is doing that and telling us how sin entered the world, it does so while it gives us some pretty important instructions. Because the Bible, in telling that story, calls our attention to the need for us to be obedient to the Lord. And it makes that exact same point when it describes the exodus of the Hebrews from Egypt. If the Hebrews had obeyed God after they left Egypt, there would have been no need for them to wander in the desert for 40 years. God told them to go up to Palestine and displace the wicked people who were living there. And God told the Hebrews he would go with them and before them to ensure that they were successful. But rather than obeying God, the Hebrews made their own estimate of the situation and refused to go up right away. So, in the Bible, God relates the history, but ensures that the history reinforces its larger lessons and purposes, as well as giving details about particular historical events. Is this also true of other parts of the Bible? Yes. Now, there are parts of the Bible, like the book of Proverbs, that are specifically dedicated to teaching people how to live better and more successful lives. And people who take the Bible's teaching seriously and then apply it to their lives know that the Bible's instructions will help them live lives better, better, lives that have more joy, lives that are more successful, even from a human perspective. Well, people are also often surprised to find out that the Bible has quite a bit to say about managing and investing money. For instance, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 say, quote, Ship your grain across the sea. After many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land, unquote. Now that's from the New International Version. And we heard something similar in our opening scripture. This is the same advice many financial planners give today. It's pretty much standard investment guidance to diversify your investments and to never put too much of your savings into a single investment category or single company. We may use terms like asset allocation or avoiding single security risk, but those are really just different words saying the same thing. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes almost 3,000 years ago, but he is giving the same advice we hear today. Why do you think the Bible addresses subjects many people would think have little to do with spirituality? How does the Bible's money management advice reinforce the idea that sinners need a Savior? Well, the easiest way of explaining the wide variety of subjects that the Bible addresses, those areas in which it supplies information, is that the Bible concerns itself with anything and everything with which God knew we would be concerned. God knows that human beings are going to be concerned about the daily necessities of life, and God knows that we have to deal with the uncertainty of the future while we live in a fallen creation. God knew we would have those concerns, so God provided us help to deal with those concerns, to deal with those uncertainties, to deal with the daily necessities of life. In other words, God did not want to leave his children without firm guidance to help them confront all those challenges. So God, as he was inspiring the biblical writers to write the books and the material they did, God knew the issues that would confront us and the things that would concern us in our daily lives. So God did not want to leave us without guidance, assistance, and direction to help us address those concerns. 
Said slightly differently, if God had not given us instruction about how to manage money successfully, we would have been left on our own. Some people might have made wise decisions, but many, maybe most, would not. That would create tension in our lives. Frankly, for many of us, concerns about money or how we are going to provide for ourselves or our families would have become the primary focus of our lives. An idol is anything we value more than God. And God does not want us to create idols in our lives, even over things that can have a good purpose. Right. It's not too strong a statement to say that when the Bible gives us instruction for how to manage our money and investments, it's one way the Bible helps us avoid idolatry. If the Bible didn't give us advice about money, managing money could easily take over all of our time, attention, and, sadly, our affection. I mean, it does anyway for a lot of people. And the same thing is true about the instruction that the Bible gives us about families, relationships, sex, food, drink. In all those areas where the Bible gives us instruction, it's doing so to help us avoid making that thing the centerpiece of too much of our attention. Because anything that we care about more than we care about God, that becomes an idol within our lives. And there is so much in this life that is good and enjoyable, provided it is kept within the boundaries that God gave us. But we can forget God's admonitions very easily. And when we do forget God's admonitions, those areas can not only become problems, they can become idols that are deadly to us, not just from a human perspective, but from an eternal perspective. We don't talk much today about the sin of gluttony, but our society deals with the negative effects of obesity constantly. Every day people suffer from poor health, impaired relationships, and sometimes job loss because they struggle with their weight. Yet Proverbs chapter 23, verses 20 and 21 have said this for almost 3,000 years. Quote, Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags, unquote. That's from the New International Version. So the big point is that the reason the Bible tells us information about the practical aspects of living good lives is that such advice helps us avoid the pitfalls that would pull our attention and affection away from God. And that's a good way to say it. The most obvious form of information that the Bible contains and provides is the kind of information that we would derive just by reading the Bible as we would any other book. But I think it's fair to say that even within that first level of information, if you will, the Bible is extraordinary. You know, the Bible has inspired untold millions of people who are from cultures all around the world and throughout periods of time that stretch back thousands of years. Now, it's an extraordinary book that can communicate so widely, so successfully, for so long. And the Bible's record for doing so really is unique in that regard. Well, as you say, reading the Bible left to right from the first to the last page is really just the first level of information that the Bible offers. And we are going to get into other levels of that information that the Bible contains as we move into our next couple of episodes on Anchored by Truth. But as you have said, the Bible is amazing just at this first level. One of the things that so many people don't realize is the wide variety of practical and beneficial advice that the Bible gives. We don't recognize this very much today, but for hundreds and really thousands of years, all someone had to say was, the Bible says. Well, when people heard, well, the Bible says this or that, 
that would pretty much end the discussion or settle the question. Millions, probably tens of millions, down through history have lived much better lives just because of the information they got from that first level of information within the Bible. And that used to be accepted wisdom in our culture, but obviously that's fallen out of favor in today's society. And as it has fallen out of favor, our society has paid the price, hasn't it? Absolutely. As we move forward, we are going to see that the Bible supplies us with information and that the information that the Bible supplies us could not possibly have had a natural source. And therefore, that demonstrates that the Bible has a supernatural point of origin. There are sophisticated information systems within the universe that elude us even now. The only reasonable explanation for their existence is they were created by the ultimate, infinite designer. This sounds like a time to go to God in prayer. There are many places around the world where Christians are persecuted just for acknowledging and proclaiming their belief in the God of the Bible. Let's remember them in prayer today. Prayer for Persecuted Christians Father of comfort and deliverance, you are a merciful God and you have abundant compassion for those who suffer and are afflicted. Lord, we come to you to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters who are being oppressed, imprisoned, beaten, and killed because they belong to you. We grieve for them and we cry out to you on their behalf. We know that you will never leave or forsake any of your children and that you know their sorrows better than we will ever know them. Yet we cannot remain silent and so we plead with you to grant healing and release for them all. Help us to know what we can do to be a voice for those who cannot speak for themselves and give us wisdom to know how we can help them. Help us to be generous with financial support, persistent in prayer, and committed to their cause. Cause our national leaders to act to improve their lot in accordance with your will. Raise up leaders who are willing to stand for you without compromise or flinching. We pray that you would cause the release and delivery of those whom you would have delivered. For those who remain in suffering, be a powerful presence in their lives. Grant them the peace that can only come from your special touch. We long for the day when all your people will stand united at your feet and where the tribulations of this world will be far behind. We and all your people pray, now and always, only in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalcbooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S, dot com. 
Thank you for your support. Are you hungry for truth? Most people are today. Between changing social standards, cultural chaos, and denominational deviance, confusion is sweeping over our community like a tsunami. Will we be swept away, or will we be anchored by truth? At Crystal Sea Books, our passion is the Bible. The Bible came from the mind of God. The words of God are powerful in truth and love. God will give us peace and strength as we honor His Word. At Crystal Sea Books, we believe the Bible can be a dynamic part of adventure stories, lyrical rhythms, and even humor, as well as inspire our prayers and meditations. That's why Crystal Sea Books is so pleased to offer Purposeful Prayers and the Anthology of Purposeful Prayers. Many people know that prayer is an essential component to a powerful Christian faith, but they feel uncertain when they begin a prayer commitment. I'm R.D. Fierro. Let my books, Purposeful Prayers, and the Anthology of Purposeful Prayers come alongside you to help you prepare to go before the throne of grace and find peace and power that comes from learning to pray purposefully. Getting a copy of Purposeful Prayers could not be easier. Just go to crystalcbooks.com and use the link. That's crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, C-S-E-A, books, B-O-O-K-S, dot com. In Purposeful Prayers and the Anthology of Purposeful Prayers, the Bible's timeless wisdom is captured in a devotional study of prayer and in prayers specially designed to build your faith as you focus on interceding for your family, friends, and nation. Get your own copy of Purposeful Prayers today. At Crystal Sea Books, we're not perfect, but our boss is.